Justin Tipperick's got a little bit of a got a knock on his ankle last week. He's he's fine, but we're just resting him as a precaution. Uh, Adam Baird's got a, a sore wrist. Um, we, he's probably right for Saturday, but we've made that change early on. And oh yeah, and Ascombe's he's out for the the season. Um, so yeah, a couple of just precautionary and just resting players and uh, not exposing them on Saturday. That. Um, when they're a little bit bit sore, and so just taking just taking any risk out of that, and and obviously the Enskin ones as a permanent change. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James. As ever, I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe and Andy Hal. As we've just heard there, the big breaking news uh, in Welsh rugby this week is that Gareth Anscombe is out of the World Cup. Uh, that news broke. Not too long after we recorded the last podcast. Yeah, was, in all honesty, that was, was it? useful. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry to make you wait for this one, but yeah. Just broke not long after we recorded the last one, unfortunately. But yeah, absolutely massive news, isn't it? Let's um, let's let's break this one down. Yeah, I mean, it's first and foremost, you you got to give a few words and a, a bit of thought to the player himself. Um, difficult times, obviously, as with the Falatau one, these boys um, get built up over the last not just the last six weeks, but a lot of the the last sort of three years, two three years, has been geared towards this, and it's been taken away at the. You know, just a matter of weeks before the tournament kicks off. So, obviously, very devastating news for Anscombe himself, first and foremost. And then, when you start to think about the impact it has on on the Wales squad, then it does become quite interesting, then, doesn't it? And you know, we'll come on to talk about the team selection now. I thought it might have been impacted slightly more than it has been, uh, but it certainly does. It's certainly a big talking point, and it changes a lot of a lot of how now Wales are going to have to approach, particularly team selection. Yeah, obviously it, it, it changes how we approach team selection in terms of numbers, personnel, but it probably changes the way we play as well, doesn't it, Andy? Uh, potentially, with Dan Bigger as an outside half in the World Cup, yeah, you're going to have to probably have a slightly different game plan. Warren Gatlin explained that today. He said Wales do operate different game plans. If you look at footage of England, uh, the match against England, the Six Nations, where Wales did a, a number on them around the breakdown, and he said to compare that to the tactics Wales employed last weekend when he tried to play positive uh, brand of uh, uh, of rugby. Obviously, I, I guess the situation is now that the the number ten jersey is perhaps Dan biggest to lose, and it looks like his, his closest challenger is uh, Jared Evans. I think he's moved uh, uh, ahead of uh, Reese Patchell in the pecking order. What's interesting with Gareth Anscombe, if this was a year ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation about how serious a blow this is for Wales, but it just shows the impact that Hanscom made uh, last season when he was uh, finally given a consistent run of games at number 10. Yeah, because it was, it was quite a meteoric rise, wasn't it? You think, coming back from Argentina, Patchell was the man in possession, Bigger was the sort of competitive uh, holder of the jersey and Hanscom was sort of the third man. Yeah, I mean, you know, we went into that, that Argentina tour basically trying to find out who was going to be Dan Bigger's number two. And like you said, we came back from that tour, and Reese Patchell was not only number two, but he was he was a genuine challenger for the jersey. Um, I, I don't think you're right by saying it was going to be number two to Dan Bigger because I think Gatlin has been since he brought Anscombe over here just before the 2015 World Cup, he has been looking for an outside half who can bring more to the the game. I would say that up until that autumn, whenever push came to shove he would always revert back to Dan Bigger that's because Anscombe's had so many injuries so it wasn't until last season he was able to put a run of games together yeah. for, for Cardiff Blues yeah well that's why back in last summer we were looking for Dan Bigger's deputy and someone to challenge him of course if you, if you think back to the Six Nations beforehand Bigger was rushed back sort of early from injury wasn't he so that, that sort of proves your point that yeah, he if, was if his, he was there he would play yeah up until the autumn he was the safety blanket for, for Warren Gatland and anyway on that on that tour the South Africa game didn't quite go to plan for Anscombe the weather was terrible uh, Wales never really got going in that game though they did win um, and then Patchell took over at a stormer against Argentina in the first test in uh, down in South America and then kept the jersey so we came back from that tour and Patchell's stock had soared and, and Anscombe was sort of stalled a little and like you said it comes in at the autumn plays well and and impresses during the Six Nations campaign so yeah it is it has been a fairly fairly meteoric rise for him in in that regard yeah he's got his chance don't forget as well because of Patrick's injuries problems yeah mm. you know his concussion and then lately he had hamstring trouble and all but the, you know so, so there's just so many injuries in 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 rugby these days it's almost the case is when it's your turn to be on the sidelines yeah no you're right it's, it's, it is quite brutal in that sense it's almost like the 
the the sort of the nightmare of merry-go-rounds, isn't it? It's you know when's the music going to stop and uh, have you got a seat sort of thing. It's um, no, it's, it's it's pretty disappointing and it's a you know you feel for him, but you know such is the nature of the beast at the moment and you know we haven't got a lot of time before the World Cup. It's it's very much what do we do now and try and solve the next problem unfortunately but you know it's going to be a problem solved without without Gareth Anscombe absolutely and I suppose that brings us on quite nicely to the team announcement that was today um, before we get on to that just a bit of formalities a bit of housekeeping if you do enjoy the podcast give it a like give it a subscribe give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on because that helps us massively but yeah obviously uh, Gatlin's picked uh, his team to face England in the sort of the reverse game this weekend and um, as we expected, it's largely the same 15, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we asked him point blank after the game at Twickenham on Sunday, are you still planning on going full strength next week? And it was a short and sharp yes. Um, and he's he's delivered on that. We thought, well, personally, I thought the, the injury to Anscombe would have to alter his thinking, uh, not just to protect bigger, but in order to find out a number of things that we currently don't know about Patchell and Jared Evans. I can see... It was clear on Sunday that Bigger needed more game time because he was as rusty as anybody at Twickenham. I didn't necessarily feel like it had to come from the start in these games, perhaps in the last game against Ireland when you've got a smaller squad. Uh, But I I genuinely thought that he would have to rethink the way he was going to approach this game because of, you know, the precarious nature of it. Now, if you lose Dan Bigger, Wales are very much up against it in Japan. Uh, I know that's a pessimistic way of looking at these fixtures, and I don't take any great pleasure in doing that. But when you've just when you've just seen what's happened to Anscombe, when you've seen what's happened to Falato, it's the reality of professional Test rugby nowadays. You know, you don't play many of these games injury free, and um, I just felt like Bigger had to be wrapped up in in cotton wool to a certain degree. And I felt like it was a good opportunity to find out if Jared Evans was up to it at this level. Throw him in the deep end, see what he see what he's made of. By the end of that sort of 60 minutes, you'd know whether or not you could cut it in Japan. And similarly with Patchell, you know, you ended last season very low on confidence. Uh, injuries played their part in that, but, you know, we don't know where his head's at in terms of international rugby, test rugby. You know, can you control a game? So I felt like it would have been a good chance to, to find out a few things whilst protecting Bigger, but he stuck to his guns and, and fair play to him for it. The concern I have is Bigger's confidence because I don't think he had much confidence last weekend. He was rusty, and, and what I was noticed myself, he wasn't bossing games as much as he normally does. He wasn't his vocal, chirpy self. And even though I said before Anscombe was ever picked for Wales last season, oh, it doesn't matter if Dan Bigger doesn't play for Wales again before the World Cup, he'll come come in and he'll be just Dan Bigger full of confidence and all. Yeah. You know, I may have got that wrong. Maybe, you know, despite that... Bigger on the surface, underneath. I got a feeling he, he, you know, that he's suffered a bit because he's no longer been Wales's starting number ten in the Six Nation when he started against Italy. He didn't have a great game, no. and also in that match and last weekend he missed a, by his standards, pretty simple conversion, mm. which would have put Wales just two scores uh, behind. So when Bigger's not goal kicking at his best, sometimes it, it makes me wonder whether that's because you know he's not not happy with his game. So I actually think he needs to play rugby and get some rhythm going. And with uh, uh, what uh, Gatlin said today, with uh, Jared Evans, you know, he could get a sizable chunk of game time in, in this match anyway. But mm. they don't want to risk him from the start. No, that's fair enough. And I, it's a lot of balance and it's a delicate one to strike. And, you know, with Bigger, I, I feel like he's perhaps gone away from playing his natural sort of game and what we've come to expect from him, uh, particularly in that Italy game. Uh, he smacked of a player who was trying too much, very much too hard. Yeah, to mm. to try and prove his point. He's seen Anscombe come in and, and play a different way. Seen Anscombe get the plaudits for it, and is perhaps now trying to chase something that doesn't come naturally to him. And maybe we need to think about reverting back to to you know some of his best stuff and playing a style of rugby that suits him. Whether or not Wales will do that, I don't know. Um, what's what struck me as well? I think I said to you during the game that. It, I may have missed one or two, but it didn't seem to me until like the second half where he, he put an up and under up. Yeah, and, no, exactly. and I just thought to myself, actually, I haven't seen him do that yet. I think, and, and yeah, but Wales went on the pitch last week to experiment and throw yeah. the ball around and all that. That's but why Ansk- Anscombe put a couple up in the first mm. half. You know, mm. it, it, 
that is the whole sort of. Yeah, you're right. Matt's right, though. Is you know, bigger being drawn down that road of trying to pr- prove a point, prove that he can run. Mm. You know, he was doing it for Northampton a bit last season, yeah. when maybe he should concentrate on what he's really good at. Self played with strengths, and I'm sure Gatlin will devise tactics to play to the strengths of his players. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. You know, we we we, we tend to look at sort of kicking to compete the up and unders is a bit negative in this country because we sort of like the the running game. But that's it's, hang on, it's, what it's, was that then? What was that? But we 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 don't like up and unders. Welsh rugby's full of up and unders. Yeah, but there's, <laughs> huh? you know, we are negative. Dan Bigger was always a lot of the public and uh, we're always calling for Dan Bigger to sort of be dropped and ask him to start and because we wanted a ten who could play flight. You know, yeah, we to, were, play attacking boys before you boys but, were born. Go back to Neil Jenkins era. I don't know <laughs> if you were running around as toddlers I, then. I, I was alive. But it was exactly the same then. It's always the same. Yeah, you know, Jonathan Davis against Gareth Davis. It's the same back then, you know. We've always had it. It's the oh, yeah. number ten debate has exactly. been there forever, and will continue to be so. You only have to look to sort of Australia beating New Zealand on the weekend. The one thing, or not the one thing, because they did many things that they hadn't done the rugby championship. But the one thing, one of the things they did, was they finally kicked to compete, and they did it well. You know, they they, 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 they only kicked it. only kicked a ball fight, times in a match. Yeah, but when they did, Reece Hodge was under it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they actually they, beat they, it. they have like they have not kicked to compete throughout yeah. the rest of the rugby championship. Yeah, but they actually run out of all game, don't they? As yeah, well, in fairness, it's, it's a mix. I'd be interested because Gatland seemed to have found the perfect sort of combination where Anscombe played sixty minutes and then Bigger came mm. on to close the game. It'll be interesting to see how it works now because is he is he just going to trust Bigger to sort of last eighty minutes more often than not? Well. Well, what we're we going to have to see here now, right? Is there going to be a situation to kind of develop during the rest of these matches, the warm-up matches of, of twenty eleven, when Reese Priestland came from nowhere, got his chance, took his chance, and ended up as Wales's uh, outside half of the World Cup, and you could argue he was the bloke who uh, prompted Wales to reach the uh, uh, semi-finals, and then unfortunately missed that semi-final because he was injured and Wales narrowly lost the game. Um, so could it be that Jared Evans? That happens. Gatlin says a chance for anybody to prove a point and to force their way into the starting lineup. And could it be the turn of Jared Evans? I think that's the uh, uh, Gatlin wants the answer to that question over the next few weeks. So you know, with Gatlin with his record, you can never discount him throwing somebody in. They're coming off, and he's sticking with them. Oh look, let me. So one thing I, th- I was thinking this afternoon after the team was announced that you know, even though I had my views on on bigger beforehand, you know. You, Warren Gatlin is someone who's got enough credit in the bank now that you don't second guess him, particularly when it comes to team selections, because he's got a history of, of getting it right. And I think I alluded to it on the last podcast. If there's any coach in world rugby who'd want to be dealing with the, the late injuries and, and the situation Wales are in right now, then it would probably be Warren Gatlin. So, you know, it's, he's made his decision. And, and like I said, it's not he's not somebody who you, you second guess because of his track record listen to him to, today at the press conference you know he, he didn't say much it was a line or two about Reese Patchell there was a lot on Jared Evans and it's clear that Jared Evans has been impressing with his attacking play during training because they obviously have matches in training and what have you he said he needs to work on his kicking out around and Neil Jagger is working flat out with him on that but he spoke a lot about Evans and it's clear that he thinks he can bring somebody to the game yeah. attacking edge which suggests perhaps that they are still thinking along an Anscombe type of player yeah well it's, and that would be classic Gatlin as well you spend spend a press conference talking up a player who you think needs you know will need that confidence going into the game and and I mean, there's there's one thing that we haven't touched on here, which is perhaps a bit of an elephant in the room. And I don't want people to throw their hands up and and, and moan about me bringing this up. But he's not very big, and this is it's chunky, mate. It's Test rugby you now. It's there's going to be a lot of big, big players on that field with him. Richie Moranga is not that big. He's bigger than Jared Evans. That's all I'm saying. I'm just bringing. Yeah, up I know as, that. But what I'm saying is, Jared is quite stocky, mate. He's really powerful in the hips. I'm and just that. bringing it up as a as a concern because defense defensively, you know, are they going to be carrying him when he's on the field? I don't know. We'll find out. Well, but, yeah, I think you can tell. Like you can't, isn't it? It's a mindset, often, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's also. I know um, what you mean about getting smashed out of the way. Billy, Billy from Napoli is probably carrying about seven stone on him. Do you know what mm. I mean? And, you know, I just—it's just a concern. I don't want to be too negative or anything well, before we get going. Would he bring more positives than negatives? If you bring more, look, look at Damon McKenzie. Well, yeah, in New exactly, Zealand yeah, they say he yeah. brings more positives than negatives. Yeah. So they pick him. 
Yeah. Well, we'll, have, we'll wait and see how it goes. <coughs> and we hope it goes well. But yeah. that that would be my slight concern going into this match. I'd like to apologise to the listeners for Matt being a sizest. <laughs> <laughs> being a bit small myself. I, I, knew, I, knew you'd, I knew you'd take on Bridget that one. <laughs> so uh, how do we see, sticking on the fly half just for a little bit longer, how do you see Anscombe's injury perhaps changing how many fly halves they take to Japan? Gatlin discussed that today. He said they're not sure whether they're going to take two or three. And he said also with scum halves, they're going to take two or three. So if you're going to take three outside halves, they'll probably take two scum halves. Just could open the door for Joan Holmes to go as a utility back and cover scum half. Or are they going to... Um, <coughs> what are you pulling face about? <laughs> I, 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 he used to be a scum half. Yeah, but I don't, you, there's not even any, any suggestion that he's fit yet. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be able to... Yeah. I wouldn't, so, so any, I wouldn't so, be holding out on that one. So... Uh, I got. A, I think if Jared Evans comes off when he has these opportunities now, they might only take still only take like two outside halves to the World Cup. It's a big call, isn't it? It is. Because mm. he talked around Lee Halfpenny as well about depending on how many they take the World Cup, what role Halfpenny could have, i.e. about the need to play him for goal kicking. Goal kicking. He sort of suggested, I guess he was referring to Jared Evans. That if Jared Evans was in the team, maybe Patchell as well, they wouldn't even have Penny's goal kick and expertise. With Dan Biggie, you don't need that deal because he is generally his top notch goal kicker. Yeah. Fair point. Interesting comments. Uh, another big sort of selection was uh, James Davis in the back row. Mm. Um, before, really, we, before we get your views, we'll. Uh, really pleased about that. Seriously, good on him. <laughs> okay, before, before we carry on with your views, uh, we'll uh, listen to uh, what Warren Gatlin had to say. On Cubby selection, yeah. It's, the thing with James is uh, it's been tough for him because he's been really struggling with the back issues, and uh, uh, he's just he's dug in in terms of the way that he's pushed himself um, when he's been in a lot of a lot of pain. We've been trying to find out what's been wrong with his back. He's been scanned. He's had everything done neurally. He's been looked at. Uh, they really can't find what the issues are. But uh, look, he's just dug in. Uh, it's a fantastic opportunity for him. We we're really impressed with him uh, in Argentina and. He's he's pretty fired up because he's kind of someone who's said that for his whole career everyone's knocked him, said he's too small, uh, not able to compete at the highest level, and you know probably you know, we've probably had some of the same thoughts as well. But uh, ha- having coached him and been involved with him in Argentina, we were incredibly impressed with him. It's a great opportunity for him and um, first time for a long time that two brothers have played for Wales. So that's what the Wales coach had to say about James Davis's uh, selection, um, and yeah, it is—it's a massive opportunity for him to sort of uh, throw his name, his hat into the ring, quite you know, for selection, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Don't get me wrong; it's a um, it's a chance that's come out of left field, and it's you know, it's a bit of fortune for him. I don't think he was particularly close to selection for this World Cup when we when this whole process began. The way things have transpired, various injuries, etc. You know, I was on record on this podcast as saying that the Wales back row department is now nailed, nailed down in stone, and, and James Davis wasn't part of that. Uh, I know he was carrying the back injury when I was when I was out in um, Switzerland, and his, his training was you know very limited. And I, I get the impression it it's, he's had to be managed quite carefully, as Warren Gatland alluded to there. But you know, look, he's on he's on the pitch on Saturday. And he's got a chance to impress, and what he does in that, you know, whatever time he gets on the field is, it's a real opportunity for him to lay down a marker, and it's a chance that few people expected him to have, I would say, given the way things had gone. You know, I was looking at it; I thought he might get a run out in the side against Ireland in two weeks' time. That's going to be a fairly experimental one, and a lot of players in last chance saloon, but he doesn't. He gets a start in one of the big games, surrounded by first choice players against England so it's a big chance for him one that not many would have expected him to get and you know the ball is in his court now and, and it's, it's going to be really exciting to see how he does because he is he's a top notch th- thrilling player really I suppose Matt talked about sort of him getting this chance through a, a slice of fortune but I suppose it's you could look at it as being the sort of the first slice of fortune that he's maybe had in the last twelve months because he came he came back from Argentina on the back of two man of the match performances, didn't he? And then it's sort of the last year's just been a real struggle for him. Yeah, it's been a nightmare, hasn't it? He's had so many different injuries that I think he only played six games for the Scarlets all season. You know, he's had I, this will probably be his first game since about uh, March. 
you know, he missed the end of the season as well. So he's had so many different knocks. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, really, he's actually got, he's going into this game as well under a bit of a cloud because he's got his back issues, which have been ongoing. And he's, be, you know, been training. And I guess he'd be playing a bit for the uh, for the pain barrier. You know, he's seen a neurologist. He's had scans and all, but they haven't been able to nail down what's actually wrong with him. So he's toughening it out in an attempt to uh, make the World Cup squad. And he's only playing because Tipperich has got to uh, roll a bit of an ankle. But, uh, if James does have a big game, if he can play like he did against the... Um, uh, Argentina against the physicality of the English pack because uh, as Gatlin said you know any English pack is physical but it's one of the most physical and big in world rugby if he can stand up to it I think he would have a chance he might have a chance to go into the World Cup um, you know there's Rot Moriarty Tipperich and Nivedi I'd say are definitely nailed on and then there could be uh, Wayne Wright because he could play so many positions in with a good uh, uh, opportunity, especially he can nail it down. Wayne Wright, if he has a good game this weekend, uh, but there's a fight there, isn't it? Between Alan Shingler, looked rusty last weekend, mm. and uh, James Davis. You know, this could have the door if James has a big game, door could open for him. Yeah, it's, uh, sorry, mate, gone. Oh, you know, you just think oh, I don't, I don't think Gatland will obviously read too much into it. But last week, the, the Welsh breakdown just didn't get any any sort of change out of yeah that was because England, that was they? because the expertise of England though wasn't it yeah. they were on the front foot so they were going forward and they had support players there their ball presentation was excellent so then it's almost impossible to even compete for the ball you just got to stand off and watch you know there wasn't yeah. many chances to earn turnovers so, so while they you were so good at presenting the ball but laying it back so while you wouldn't necessarily read too much into it because it's, it's different games but if, if James Davis does have some success at the breakdown it's 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 a it's a good marker isn't it yeah it'd be a good yeah it would be a good marker to to lay down and he's gonna i think he's gonna have to do a lot because i don't think he he is part of that five-man squadron that warren gatland has probably got penciled in already i just don't see him as being part of that so he will have to impress and like you said if he can get joy at the breakdown where wales didn't last week then it would be a big tick next to his name and you know, there's far more to his game than that as well. He's, as we know, very dangerous in the loose, coming from his sevens background. So it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. This is probably the biggest international he's played in. And, you know, he's up against genuine opposition here. You know, genuine test uh, players. So, you know, if he can get joy at the breakdown, like you said, there were a couple of factors that Andy alluded to there that went into Wales's um, lack of success at the breakdown last week. It was kind of what comes first. The, were they not getting success at the breakdown because England were building momentum or were England building momentum because Wales didn't have any success at the breakdown? No, England, tell you why England were building momentum because uh, Wales gave George Ford uh, time and space on the ball. Uh, during the Six Nations, Wales were using Gareth Davis to rush at opposition outside us, put him under pressure, maybe because Wales were on the back foot last weekend or it wasn't in a tactics last weekend. He was unable to do that. So Ford then looked the world beater, didn't he? Looked the class player with all that time and space. So he was putting people over the game line all the time with his range of pass and he was putting them into half gaps and what have you. So they were on the front foot all, literally all the time. So yeah. it makes it difficult, doesn't it? If you go backwards in defence, is harder going to compete for the ball. Mm. Yeah, so that would, I thought our problem started there with a failure, and maybe James will come into this this weekend. And I hope Gaz Davis does it by putting pressure on George Ford, yeah. because you can you know you can hustle George North, uh, George North, George Ford, and uh, knock him out of his stride. Yeah, you know history details shows that. Mm. I, I think personally thought a lot of it started at the breakdown. Um, the ball was quick and clean, and it's easy to build momentum off that. Then yeah, they were getting good first phase as well. Mm. Plus, when Wales were Wales, Wales were intent, there were times in our match last weekend. I don't know if you boys saw the same up at Twickenham, where you, I was pleading Wales kick a ball off the park. Yeah, they persisted. We're kicking a ball in play, and England had a great back three. Go run it back, and Billy would run a ball, a drop back, and we were just played into the hands and give them momentum. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, Wales. Wales's first phase defence is something that Sean Edwards would have been. Uh, yeah, oh, pretty yeah. unhappy. It wouldn't with. have been a quiet day at the Vale today. I wouldn't have thought. Absolutely not. Um, this is one other change uh, in the Wales team. That's Jake Paul coming in the second row. Mm, another injury-related change as well. Yeah, uh, Adam Beard did his wrist at uh, Twickenham. Wrist strain, yeah. Wrist, yeah. Because it, uh, it was a passage, a long passage of play, mm. which I think resulted in him throwing a sort of interesting a looping, a looping long forward yeah. pass. Yeah. So, and again, it comes back to it. Gatlin stuck to his guns. He's picked the strongest side he could have with with what he's got available to him. You know, Adam Beard is in the Justin Tipperick camp of could have probably played if it was a World Cup final but they're not going to risk that at this stage so 
Again, opportunity for Jake Ball, probably another one who's been sort of on the fringes of that second row conversation, perhaps as one of those who's maybe a little bit vulnerable if Gatlin goes a certain way with his selection, i.e. picking Aaron Chingler as a second row. And on that note, Shingler is covering second row on Saturday, so you know perhaps we'll see that. Uh, but I think that just speaks more to the fact that you know Wales don't have any other options at second row at the moment because Bradley Davis is is obviously not fit to go. Uh, Corey Hill is obviously he's probably in the camp of if it was a World Cup final could play with his ankle problem and and Adam Beard. So Shingler gets a nod at lock, but on the bench. But yeah, Jake Ball. I think he's a good player. Can he's going to match England physically? Wales will pour at the scrum, so he's going to add weight in there yep. as well. Uh, not saying Adam Beard is lacking in that department, but you know, different kind of weight, perhaps different kind of dynamic, different body shape. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. A big chance for Jake Ball to to cement his his place in that squad. Really, yeah, we haven't seen much of Jake over the last few years because he's another one who's had a horrendous uh, mm. run of injuries. Uh, you know, Gatland. Uh, Feels that uh, getting Jake over from Aust- uh, Australia, that's one of their, you know, really good uh, discoveries. Oh, the Scarlets actually got him over here, credit to the Scarlets. And, uh, you know, they struck on something with Jake because he is a f- uh, physical pick and he does really um, scrummage well. He's a really good scrummaging lock. And um, this is a big chance for Jake because, like I said, he's had so many knocks recent years. He hasn't been able to string uh, uh, matches t- t- together. So if he has a big game this weekend, I might book him a, a, a passage to Japan. What Gatlin also said was players had a chance last weekend, and if they backed it up this weekend to, to virtually pick ourselves in the in the team for the first couple mm-hmm. of matches of the World Cup. But you know, if he goes pear shaped again this uh, weekend, it's going to be uh, some of those players going to have question marks hanging over him. That's very interesting, yeah. So that should wind him up to produce a good performance. Indeed, it should. Um... I suppose it's worth looking at the uh, the team they'll be facing then. Mm. Um, not really too many changes. Obviously, we uh, y- your friend is is back in. Well, the Mitch's back. Yeah, he's back in. He's probably going to play this time as well. So we'll have to. Who's that, Matt? Rory McConaughey. Oh, you've been working on that over the last few days. Oh, yeah. In front of the mirror, so. Yeah. Well, as soon as he got named in the World Cup squad, he realised he had to. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably best. But yeah, other than that, the only change Toji. I can see is Toji's just, in. Maru. Yeah, Maro, and then um, Courtney Laws starts, starts at six. six. Yeah, Tom Curry obviously being left out. He picked up a knock against Wales, didn't he? So Lewis Ludlam yeah. moves over to, to make work. To yeah, fill which that he space. did anyway for most of the match last week, didn't he? And he yeah. was good as well. Yeah, he's yeah. a good player. He's very good. Yeah, it's a slightly stronger uh, England team, probably. Oh, up, I tell up you front. what. Definitely bench, is a big test for bench, Wales. The bench, the bench, the bench you know, is really packed with good is, players. That is loaded. Mm. that bench so you know Wales got a genuine test on their hands again I think a lot of it comes down to like you, you alluded to earlier and is how much of an armchair ride does George Ford get because um, they did make him look like a world beater yeah. yep. but you know we're back in Cardiff in front of a packed out Principality Stadium you'd like to think that he wouldn't get such an easy ride this time and you know there's a lot of players in that Wales squad who will be hurting a lot of egos taking a bit of a pounding so Sean Edwards has probably jumped on him as well this week and given him a bit of a pasting in training. So you wouldn't expect George Ford to have such a simple ride again and then it becomes quite interesting from there. Uh, I think you're right in your assessment though. A lot of it will stem from quite and him down. And because uh, I think the pack managed okay, but not, in the, not I think the set piece was a bit of an issue, but I don't think... Gatlin has got an issue mind with the set piece, with the scrum. Mm. He's spoken to World Rugby uh, about the... Um, about the refereeing, uh, about the engagement, yeah. pre-engagement, early shoving and all. And he claims World Rugby said that the ref got uh, wrong last week. And uh, Gatlin said he's watched the Ireland-Italy game and then uh, Argentina-South Africa referee got right in those games. So he's looking for more consistency from the referee this weekend and for it to be uh, refereed in the way World Rugby has said. Yeah. So a bit more clarity. It's interesting because you, you, we heard on the ref mic at Twickenham at the game actually Ken Owens was complaining about the angle of Dan Cole, which is nothing new. Um, and and when you go back and look at the video, Dan Cole is is all sorts of he's going straight across the halfway line at one scrum. Um, so back, back in the dressing room, when he was yeah, he's, he's going towards the tunnel. So and then you know Thomas Francis comes out after the game as well and says you know we we'll have to go says whatever a player says when he's confused at what the referee decision was but doesn't want to say that he was confused at the refereeing decision so he says he goes back we're going to have to look at it uh, and you do got, I got the impression Wales weren't happy with what went on there they no. clearly got on the wrong side of Mr Reynal 
and um, yeah, England started to get a bit of joy from that part of the part of the game. So the scrum, whilst it was a bit of concern the way it transpired, I think under a different referee this week there may be a different outcome. I'm not. I think Rob Evans's stock has gone up in his absence. I, he's a key man anyway. I think he's very yeah. key to you know. Thomas Francis developed this bit of a reputation as a scrummager for himself, so I'm not as concerned about that side of the scrum, although he did get a bit of a going over from Ellis Genge. But I, I am keen to, to see Rob Evans get back fit and get back in the fold because I think he's, again, one of those players who's become a bit of a safety blanket. And if he's in there, you can you can trust the set piece and in the loose, he's going to be, he's going to be on the money. By virtue of saying that, I guess it's not dancing on the issue here. There are question marks over the way Nicky Smith scrummaged. So that I guess that's the crux of the point. Let's just be clear about it. It didn't go well on Nicky no. Smith's side of the scrum. We talked about Dan Cole and the fact that the linesmen and the referees weren't getting involved in that. So it comes to a point where you've got to try and sort it out yourself. I'm not saying you've got to sort it out in a nasty way or a naughty way, but you've got to try and problem solve on the field. And, and you know, if he's presenting you with one thing, you've got to try and counter it with something else. Gatlin said that today the players got you know the players didn't solve it themselves. Yeah, so I just sure, you know, I just think be, for themselves sometimes. You know, without being too harsh, I think that side of the scrum had it was more of a concern than than the other side. So let's let's wait and see what happens. Well, mind you, the Welsh scrum wasn't very good after they changed the front row. No, it wasn't. No, you know, it was worse actually. That you see That's that England England took a lot of the sting out of the game. Hmm. With just well, they were winning penalties, just, that, just penalties and that, scrums, wasn't yeah, it? That's that, happens. that happens quite regularly, though, doesn't it? When, when second row, when the front rows get changed, yeah. by that point, the the narrative of the game has already been set. He's already refs already gone his head that England are on top in this facet of the game, and you know it takes a while for these players to get up to the speed of the game and everything like that. So, same for know, both sides, though. Yeah, they brought their subs on and they yeah. sub, they they front row piled into ours and had us uh, you know they turn them turn them inside out really. Well, we haven't got to worry times. about the one because Harry Williams has been dropped. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean Kyle Sinclair's come in, so it's not exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yeah, it's not um, it's not exactly Christmas, is it? But yeah, it's you know it's going to be a big cha- it's a big challenge for Wales and particularly at the scrum. They you know Robin McBride will have had a few words here. They'll they'll have had to try and solve something because something was wrong. Like I said, with a different referee, we probably get a different outcome. So. Let's wait and see how it transpires. Okay then, so it's uh, time for some of your questions. Uh, this week is a bit different because we've um, we've actually got some voice messages from WhatsApp. So this this could yeah. be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, send your messages in on WhatsApp if you want to get them on the pod. That's a message, isn't it? Voice notes. That's what we like. Absolutely. Uh, a little bit of cross advertising as well. But, you know, if you're not signed up to the WhatsApp uh, messages, what are you doing? Exactly. What are you doing? Yeah. So yeah, sign up to the WhatsApp messages. Find it on our website somewhere. If not, yeah. tweet, tweet one of us, and we'll give you the give you the lowdown on how to get involved in all that. But you get your WhatsApp notifications ping every time. A breaking news story happens in Welsh rugby, so you know straight yeah. to your phone. That's the kind of service that we aim to provide. Sometimes it's the only WhatsApp messages I get all day. Right then, we can't we can't complain. Right, let's uh, let's kick off uh, with the first question. I think this is from Chris in Bridgend, but he should introduce himself anyway. Hi there, this is uh, Chris um, out in out in Spain at the moment. Normally, uh, well, originally from Bridgend. Um, my question really is with regard to the halfback situation. Um, would it would it be possible to have some sort of extraordinary meeting and look at the sixty cap rule and uh, get our boy Webb out there? Uh, so that's uh, that's the question. It's, it's an interesting one to start off with, isn't it? Well, first and foremost, I hope Chris is having a, a great time out in Spain. Sounds like it. Uh, it does, yeah. I was enjoying that music. It's, weather's a bit nicer than it is back here in Wales, but hopefully that's the case for you. But I'm afraid that's the end of the niceties when it comes to this question because I think it's about time that we stopped bringing this up now. I think we've got to, we've got to consider that there are three scrum halves in this squad and we've got to consider that Gareth Davis has just played the bulk of Wales's 14-game winning run. Obviously, it ended, but the 14-game winning run. That included first win over Australia in over a decade, or in a, in a decade, yep. and a Six Nations Grand Slam. So, I think it's about, you know, and it's not a slight on Reese Webb. You know, a big fan of Webb's, and when the whole thing kicked off a while back, I was 
probably one of the first ones to say that I was convinced he would be back in the Wales squad by the time the World Cup came around. And I didn't think that was a stretch at the time, but it's rumbled on and it's not happening. And Reese himself is coming out and saying that he wants to hear the end of it and all this and that. Um, and like I said, there are three scrum halves in that squad who have all got genuine claims and cases to get the number nine jersey. Unfortunately, the way things are with the selection policy, Webb can't be picked. And I think in terms of that discussion, given that we're five weeks away from Wales's first game at the World Cup now, these are the three scrum halves we've got and these are the three scrum halves that need need the support. There we go. Anything to add to that, Andy? Or no. Is, is Matt's, <laughs> Matt's covered it in great detail. Give me another question, please. Right, okay, uh, Andy, we'll, uh, we'll find one for you now. Uh, this is the next question, then. Peter, we're church. Quick question. What are the Wales management doing to ensure that we don't give penalties away or have people carded for high tackles? That's an interesting question from Peter. Obviously, yeah, high, yeah. high tackles are. The I big don't think we've had anyone carded for high tackles. We could have. Um, we easily could yeah, have that we last ne- week, but we never. Well, but we, we never. We had. We, we yeah. did have Moriarty in Argentina with his arm wrapped around Nicolas Sanchez. That was a different. That one the tackle. <laughs> <isn't it? It laughs> you know, that was strangulation. I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anyone's and he had a card. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was just a bit of a. Uh, that was an altercation, wasn't it? Like something else. Um, yeah. Discipline. Um, most of the penalties last weekend came from uh, scrum penalties. So in open play, Wainwright was caught offside once or twice uh, for offside, I think, when Wales were defending. But apart from that, Wales' discipline was pretty good. But they were getting penalised at scrum because they were committing offences. Not a lot you could do about that. And uh, if you look at the Six Nations against England, that Wales give few penalties away. Wales had pretty good disciplinary record doing the Six Nations. Of course, when you're winning, you don't tend to give so many penalties away. When you're on the back foot, it's, that's when you yeah. give penalties away, yeah. isn't it? So, you know, I've got no worries about Wales' uh, discipline. I think it's uh, compares pretty favourably with the other teams at international, in international rugby. Yeah, I think on the, on the point of the high tackles, I think, you know, Wales get World Rugby on the phone and they get referees in like Nigel Owens and play, people like that. Uh, quite regularly to to work with them on new rules, new laws, certain interpretations of different laws, because tack- the high tackle is a is a very contentious issue at the moment. And fortunately, uh, for now, Wales haven't fallen foul of it. As we saw, you know, Alan Davis was perhaps a bit close to the, to the mark on on Sunday. Um, but I think it's just about players being sensible. They've got a more of a feel for it than anyone, and you know, it's about pulling out of tackles where they think things are about to go wrong and and making smart decisions and like I said they probably do a lot of work in training with, with officials to, to make sure they, they're they all aware of what's acceptable and what's not there we go let's move on to the next question I think this one is from Chris Phillips in Port Talbot will the intensity of Southern Hemisphere teams be big, be greater than England's and also England have got some massive players are they going to tire uh, more easily in the heat in Japan is that a big issue there we go two parts of that question mm. uh, let's kick off with the, the first about yeah. the southern hemisphere and the intensity what are your thoughts boys uh, I think England players at their best they play as intense a rugby as they do in the southern hemis- uh, hemisphere because I think as well they've got a lot of physicality so that, you know, that increases intensity in sort of different aspects where the New Zealand do the intensity through sp- sp- speed they move the ball they support playing how quick they are on the, on the attack um, so yeah England um, I don't think you're going to play anyone as intense as that England are probably going to be in a shake up to win the World Cup aren't they so, um, so not yet about the size uh, you look at players like Courtney Laws Mario Toji and all they're as fit as anybody in the world, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's so much an issue. But but one thing I have noticed in recent weeks is the All Blacks have leaned their players down. They've always been pretty lean, but they're carrying less weight than ever. They're thinner and all, which suggests to me that weather conditions supposed to be hot and humid in Japan, mm. like playing wet weather weather uh, rugby, is that the All Blacks are getting their players in a lean shape ready for Japan. Yeah. I mean, England have have had heat camps and humidity camps out in Treviso uh, in the build-up to in Italy in the build-up to these uh, these um, summer matches. It's very hot out there, so they they've been training in those conditions. Wales are doing something similar off to Turkey shortly for a week to train out there. You know, I can't really speak much for for how England 
at what sort of shape England are in, but having seen Wales train up close and personal in Switzerland, they are they're all particularly the backs. You saw the pictures coming back to the UK from out there. They're in very good shape, and they don't seem to be carrying too much uh, too much of the old excess that uh, myself and you can claim to be uh, lumbering around with us. Well, that's a bit harsh on you, Ben. You're you talking to me, were you? <laughs> uh, the other thing, of course, with it is... It, 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 Eleven stone soaking wet, yeah. Yeah, yeah is that you, uh, uh, if you're controlling the game, you're also controlling the pace of it. Mm. So, yeah. if you know, like Gatland said, England controlled a lot of that. Or kept Wales at bay in that second half because they controlled the scrum and then they were able to control the pace of the game. He said they slowed it and all because they were in charge. What would be interesting... It's the same with any team, and if you're on the back foot, like Wales, say in New Zealand in 2016, they had the legs run off because they couldn't control the pace of the game. New Zealand were running them everywhere at speed and all. In the end, the Welsh defence broke down. Mm. Yeah, absolutely right. On to the final question, um, and this is from Pam, who's uh, from Zimbabwe. Um, I'm sounding like I'm from Africa, which I am, um, but support Wales. And um, disappointing that we're not seeing Lee Halfpenny in action. Um, is there any reason for that? And um, I will be attending the match and look forward to it. Well, there we go. Uh, good, good question from uh, Pam. Uh, mm. Pertinent question because once again, Lee Halfpenny is nowhere near the twenty-three. So, yeah. and as if by magic, I believe we've got Warren Gatlin's answer to Pam's question as well. Indeed, we do. We know um, with Lee and um, I said it was an opportunity for that back three to, to play again and, and then after that we need to look at giving other players a chance in the back three and, and Lee you know, he may not play in the next game as well. You know, we, we, we've got to find out about some other players too. Um, you know, part of the thing about last weekend was and with us is it's easy enough to make a lot of changes but some of the players would have been disappointed with last weekend in particular that first 20 minutes and it's for us it's about a chance to to redeem ourselves and give those players another another hit out and and go out there and and perform and put some pressure on them to perform as well you know depending on who the other 10 is you know he's going to he's potentially he's going to be important for us from a goal kicking perspective as well so we need to keep that in mind um but no he's 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 been doing everything that's been asked for him he's been a very important mainstay for us in the team for a for a number of years and um, and um, I'm sure he will continue to be that and he will get some game time in the next couple of games So that's Gatlin's view on things uh, wanting to look at what other players can do um, do, do we buy that? Not for me personally I mean you know like I said not for me to second guess Warren Gatlin but in this instance who's he looking at? He's looking at George North Josh Adams and Liam Williams there's a lot of players in that 23 to face England that Warren Gatlin knows about but they're all playing so this strikes me as there may be something else going on here Um, perhaps he's just fallen out of favour you know which given the run that Wales have been on in his absence wouldn't wouldn't be the most shocking bit of news uh, in the world Um, but I don't I don't necessarily I can't quite get my head around this whole sort of we're not playing him because we want to look at other players. And he's even gone so far as to say that he, he may not even play next week. When, you know, so if he's not going to play next week and he's not playing in your your first choice side, it's kind of like, well, where does he sit? I just, I'm a bit confused and I'm intrigued to, to sort of try and find out a bit more about what's actually going on there because that doesn't quite tally up, does it? Perhaps he is a player they feel they need to keep Cottonwell. I don't mm. want to risk getting injured at this stage. It was concussion issue from last season. His other concussions, maybe there's that side of it. Potentially, potentially, yeah. You know, um, I think you'd have to watch training and all to see what shape he's in. Yeah, and I, that's why I, I I worry about second guessing Warren Gatland in instances like this because he he's obviously privy to a lot of information that we're not. So, you know, like I yeah. said, there, there may be something else going on here, but I I don't quite. See, I can't quite wrap my head around the the nature of those quotes. To be honest, I can understand why he's not on the bench, man. It's because they want to try and develop Owen walking off the bench as a centre. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's fair comment. I mean, and I suppose is he the kind of character? How, actually, no. I think he's actually matured a lot and and become a far more confident person in, in recent years. But so if he's not in your side, I I don't see why you wouldn't just be honest about why he's not there. And well, you give a reason. Oh yeah, that's very that's a good point. You know, I don't want to stand up here and call anyone a liar, but like I said, I can't I can't quite wrap my head around 
the the sort of theory behind what you said there. Well, I'm sure it's something that we'll discover in the uh, the next few weeks. Hopefully, hopefully. I believe you've got a, a question yourself, Matthew. Oh yeah, I've got a question myself. This uh, this I'm going to read out to you guys now, and oh. it goes a little bit like this. Ba ba ba. Wales looked leggy against England, especially for the majority of the first half. Do you think the way Wales's training has been tailored means that they have been targeted optimum performance for the World Cup? And these warm-up games are more focused on patterns of play and rhythm, whereas England may have taken a different approach. Do you think England's heat training camp in Italy better prepared them for these early games, whereas Wales are yet to do their heat training camp and will have the full benefit of that later on down the road? That's come from Shane Stokes on Facebook. What was the temperature in Switzerland, man? The temperature was floating around 30. I think it got so, up at its hottest to 34. So it wouldn't be much different in Italy, to be no, honest. But, but no, but by and large, their trip was a lot cooler this time around than it was four years ago. So I think they've had a lot of cool weather in Switzerland. I don't think it was as hot as that for the entire two-week period. I think mm. I was just there when the sun was there. Yeah, uh, good point. That, it's, uh, it's a good question. I, I'd agree with the whole idea that Wales are... Peaking for the World pe- Cup. Peaking for the World Cup, because... Mm. Uh, we can't speak for whether England. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can say with absolute certainty that it's not Eddie Jones's in, intention to sort of peak for, for for Wales versus England at Twickenham, uh, mm. and then I leave, think England, that, England, are more players fighting for positions. Yeah, that's the thing. He was, he, was, he was picking a squad on. Don't forget, Wales are picking from winning the Six Nations. Yeah, I don't think Wales looked overly leggy. No, you just had a lot of error in a, a, bit, a bit of rust. Um, I agree yeah. with what Shane said about sort of you know sort of patterns and play and stuff like that. I thought that we did see a bit of. We saw some changes in attack and defence. You mentioned that Gareth Davis didn't spot blitz. Um, Wales carried a lot more in the sort of sort of five metre channel outside the rocks, which they didn't do in the Six Nations and against England on Sunday. It saw them getting knocked back more often than not by Billy Vanapola. Then on the flip side, we saw them sort of maybe attack the wider channels more, which they had some joy out of. So, Garland said today he should have scored at least two two tries, maybe three oh, tries yeah, from those, they, uh, go, from those attacks. Probably three or four myself. Mm. Yeah. I think the interesting thing was those three attacks. They tried to finish them on on that phase. They tried to give another pass, which maybe in the Six Nations they they'd have, they'd have held onto the ball. Well, what he said today, and I agree with him, was if North had thrown a, a softer pass, Anscombe would have probably have scored. Yeah. And then he said if Liam Williams had passed accurately or more accurately to North, North would have scored. Yeah. I think, instance, did he mention? Was the, did he mention the the one where North gave the sort of the blind pass to bigger sort of off his shoulder? Because that to me was an instant where maybe George North should have held on. Shouldn't to the he ball. just given an author but Doc's pass there rather than try and flick it out of one hand? No, it wasn't. It wasn't sort of. It wasn't flicking. It was literally just no look. No look. Sort no of. Look, bigger you know. was bigger was running around his his left shoulder between the touch. Yeah, line. you know so. I. That's the sort of situation where I think you hold on to the ball. <laughs> the only thing with that is if it, the pass wasn't really the issue. It, was, it got intercepted, didn't it? Yeah. So you could have yeah. thrown an orthodox pass and it would have still been intercepted. Mm. I think that is just confidence, mm. yeah. personally. But, you know, anyway, I think the Liam Williams one is just a, a misplaced pass. I, I think the pass was the right decision. It was just poorly executed. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, the north one to Anscombe, was that an offload or was that an it was a, pass? It was an offload. So maybe offload pass, it was a pass. He threw it a bit hard, that was a problem. Anscombe had come from yeah. the other side of the scrum to yeah. that, so yeah, he was yeah. he was running on full pelt. Mm. So. He was close to him, you see, so it hit him a bit harder. Right, okay. Yeah. If it was a bit softer, he would have probably t- yeah. you know, taken it. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. There we go. So, so that's, that's, that's the question's done. Um, it's time to... Uh, I guess stick our necks on the line once more after Are you last, sure you're ready now? last week's uh, disaster. Mr. 30 points over there. I, I, you, make, you say 30 points like I said the difference was 30 points. Mate. You, you weren't actually far off. Yeah, you, you flipped, just got them yeah, you the flipped, other way you flipped, you flipped the score lines around. I was right. Which, <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's, let's do this uh, with a lot less uh, hubris I might add. Confidence. <laughs> right, and what, what do we think? I'm not going first. So, uh, shall I go first? So I won't be swayed by you two. Go on, then. 26-24 England. Oh, he's gone the opposite. Oh. Just, huh? I just think, and I think because of the bench, because you look at that, you look at the benches, and England are bringing on Ben Youngs and Owen Farrell, 
we're bringing on Jared Evans, who I so I'm you've been talking him no, up. No, I know we've been, <laughs> no, I know we've been talking him up, but for him, I, I don't see, uh, I don't see the end game for Jared Evans being whether he gets us over the line in this game or not. It's he's got 20 minutes to impress, so I, I don't necessarily think we get a victory from it. But as long as Jared comes through in those 20 minutes, that's that's a that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think the way I look at it is, yes, England have got a really good bench um, to come on, but Wales had a really good start in 15 last week and showed that they were rusty having not played a game for three months. Yeah. Owen Farrell hasn't kicked the ball in a competitive match for a long time. You know, Carl Sinclair hasn't scrummaged in a competitive match for a long time. So there are those question marks that will need to be answered by, by those big guns on the England bench. You know, still got Manu Lange who came on last week and you still got Ben Youngs who came on last week so don't get me wrong it's still a formidable bench I wouldn't envisage Wales' start in 15 beginning as slowly as they did at Twickenham and a lot will a lot will lie on Dan Bigger's shoulders what I'm doing now is I'm delaying because I can't decide in my head yeah I noticed that in, in my, I really can't decide. This podcast this. just went from half an hour to uh, two hours. Yeah, I just, I just Marty, what do you think? And I'll just jump in. And it's going to be a scoring game because both teams are going to be trying to score, uh, score tries. And I, th- I've still got this, unlike Ben, I've still got confidence in the uh, in the, uh, Wales, and uh, I believe they can win this match twenty eight to twenty five. I know I feel emboldened by Andy's prediction. I do have confidence that Wales will will right the wrongs of last week. Uh, I don't think the Wales management will let them get off with another performance like that. So I think they will win, and I think they will win twenty thirty-two fourteen. Good scoreline. Twenty. <laughs> I say tw- twenty se- twenty-seven nineteen. How was that? Twenty-seven nineteen. Yeah. Why not? Oh, that's a big win. Well done, Matt. That's <laughs> only eight points. Hey, if they lose, and it's by hefty margin, Wales got problems. I don't, on that merry note yeah on that bombshell I think it's time to end the uh, the podcast um, so yeah uh, if you have enjoyed the game we'll give you a little bit of housekeeping again drop us a like and a subscribe and review because that really does help us can't emphasise that enough uh, we'll be back next on Saturday mm. post-match after the game that'd be exciting and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andy looks really excited at the prospect of being in the, in the stadium and then coming back to record this no I don't mind but yeah, uh, in the meantime, you can catch all the latest rugby news on Wales Online. <laughs>